minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Yeah. 
Ah. 
Oh. 
J.M. in the A.M. Well, welcome to a Wednesday on this 5th of February and the 5th day of Adar 1. <laughs> uh, Mordechai ben David, Inyan Simcha. Yes, let's stay in the Inyan of Simcha. Even with all this crazy weather around us, let's stay as happy as humanly possible. Let's stay as happy as possible, knowing that if we have to go outside, it's treacherous out there and almost impossible to walk and drive. Let us continue in the framework of Simcha, of joy, knowing that if in fact we did park in front of this building this morning, which I did, I am definitely going to be plowed in <laughs> by the time by the time I leave this building later on today. That I can guarantee you. I have to hope there's one of those uh, entrepreneurial young people walking by who's ready to dig a car out of a parking space. Uh, Wednesday with a, uh, I don't know if we can call this a blizzard, although I like doing that for people outside this area, portraying a picture that we are uh, at a standstill here in New York and New Jersey because of the weather conditions. But I don't know if we can call it a blizzard, but it's certainly a very, very significant snowstorm with freezing rain, very wet snow. Those of you who are from the New York area but now live in places like uh, Israel, Arizona, Florida, I will tell you that um, this is one of those good old-fashioned really wet storms. And if, in fact, uh, somebody is plowed in uh, later this morning, it will be difficult to uh, dig out. It's one of those really heavy snows. Uh, Mordechai ben David had been Yana Simcha. He heard Psachia with Eretz Tova. Shalshelas had Nigun Shalshelas. Tomorrow they are scheduled to officially debut that CD, Connections, right here at JM in the AM. Isaac Honig with Tsama. Leibedik, done by Avremo, Lit Oro from Soul Farm and Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. This morning at 8 o'clock, Rabbi Yaakov Yanki Horowitz, Project Yes, is scheduled to join us. He is out of town. He was scheduled to be in studio. An emergency has taken him away from the New York area. He is nonetheless going to join us by telephone for at least part of the conversation I'd like to have with him on the air. We'll see if we can get him in studio at a future time. But I do recommend if you want to hear from somebody who's on the front lines when it comes to parenting and dealing with kids in this generation during 2014, uh, Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is an amazing resource for that. So we will speak with him coming up, 8 o'clock hour. I strongly recommend you stay tuned in all morning long. To all of us here at JM in the AM. Many schools are closed. I heard that Hafter is closed. I heard that Maya Note is closed. I heard that the TABC is closed. I would bet a lot of other schools in the New York, New Jersey area are closed. I know the New York City public school system is open, as surprising as that might be. Um, but um, many schools in our quote-unquote Yeshiva League community are going to be closed today. That certainly seems likely as the uh, rough weather of the uh, 2013-2014 winter season <coughs> continues. It is, it's one of those years. We had this three years ago and uh, three winters ago, and we have it again now. Uh, and they are talking about another storm for later this week. I don't think it's going to be close to the numbers that some people were tossing around in terms of accumulation, but it does seem like we'll have at least one more snowstorm 
before this week comes to an end. So there you have it. By the way, if you're wondering about clearing and stuff, uh, it's supposedly going to be all rain uh, throughout the entire area later today with a high of 35. I believe it's all rain already here. That's the way it seems. Uh, at least freezing rain, if not regular rain at this point. And uh, tonight, clouds turn into a clearing sky, and then tomorrow, partly cloudy with a high temperature of 30. So tomorrow should be a quote-unquote regular day in terms of trying to get through it uh, <laughs> in a... Uh, in a normal fashion, I'll tell you, every day presents challenges. The weather is presenting a lot of them these days. Uh, our network schedule is essentially unaffected today. We will be able to present at 9 at 9 at 9 a.m. Album of the week coming up at uh, at 10 o'clock. We will be able to present the Z-Report live lunch with Yossi Zweig, which I hear is going to be an amazing production today between 11 and 1. So if you're stuck, you have great programming on our stream at jmandam.org, and we highly recommend it. And uh, hopefully by tomorrow, everything will be uh, somewhat back to normal, and we'll be able to um, uh, present everything uh, on our stream tomorrow that you would expect on a Thursday as well. All right? JM in the AM at 25 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning. It's a Wednesday, a snowy Wednesday at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web. JMNAM.org.
was a man named Yiddle who loved to play the fiddle. But when he'd play, people ran away, so they wouldn't let him in the band. No, they wouldn't let him in the band. He had a good friend named Tibor who thought he could play the keyboard, but he was heaven sent. So they wouldn't let him in the band. No, they wouldn't let him in the band. All they wanted to do was bring Simcha to Yiddin with music. Not one thought crossed their mind to be looking for fortune or fame.
jam in the AM. <laughs> oh, I remember that day, or I should say that night of the big diaspora reunion from 20 years ago. David Melech Yisrael, Dor Acharon, done by Benny Friedman. You heard Moshe Hecht with Believers. Journeys from Volume 4 had The Band and Bunai, done by the Nochi Krohn Band. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Galitz on the background, getting ready for our news from Israel as we open up the uh, 7 o'clock hour. Rabbi Yaakov Yanki Horowitz is going to join us at 8 o'clock this morning, live via telephone. He uh, was called away and is not able to be with us live in studio this morning, but he will be able to join us about an hour from now. Very important conversation. Make sure to be tuned in. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Wednesday next at ג'יינר. <אז> באופן תקדימי הצליחו חוקרי השב"כ לחלץ הודעות במעשים משניים מהנאשמים, השלישי סרב להודות. משכת השביתה בבתי החולים הדסה בירושלים. בתוכניתנו עושים צהריים עם יעל דן, שמענו את ג'והנה חן, שבדיקת בנה נדחתה בעקבות העיצומים, ואחריה את דוקטור מאיר מזרחי, יושב ראש ועד הרופאים הצעירים בהדסה. זה הרבה יותר מאי נעימות. זה לא שביטלו לנו כרטיסים לקולנוע. זה סבל פיזי של הבן שלי שהגיע לבית חולים לבדיקה כי יש לו בעיה רצינית. אני מתנצל על העוגמה שנוצרה פה, אבל עוד פעם, אני חייב להסביר את זה שהמצב שיש כרגע בהדסה והמצב שאליו הביאה אותנו גם המדינה וגם ההנאות לשעבר כמו שדיברנו, מצב שבו לא נוכל לתת לחולים שלנו את הטיפול הראוי. גבר כבן חמישים נהרג בצהריים בעוד השרון כשעצר לתקן תקלה ברכבו וזה קרס עליו. צוותים של מד"א שהוזעקו לזירה נאלצו לקבוע את מותו. השר נפתלי בנט אומר שפסיקת בג"ץ בעניין תקציבי הישיבות מיותרת. ועדת שקד מתקדמת לקראת סיום חוק השוויון בנטל, להערכתי תוך חמישה שבועות החוק יעבור, החוק ההיסטורי הזה והמהלך ההיסטורי יושלם ככה ש... הצו של בג"ץ לא מעלה ולא מוריד בעניין, אנחנו מתקדמים לעבר המהלך. דוד ריינשטיין, שוטר סיור בתחנת מעלה אדומים, הורשע היום בעבירות של תקיפה ואיומים. על פי כתב האישום, ריינשטיין ביקש מאזרח לעצור עם רכבו בצד, אך האיש לא הבין שהכריזה מכוונת אליו. לאחר שעצר, תקף אותו השוטר בפניו באגרופים, חנק אותו, ואיים עליו כי אם יעבור בכביש זה פעם נוספת, יגרום לילדיו לבכות עליו. איש מג"ב, ג'מאל אבו חייא, לשעבר מפקד מחסום עוטף עטרות, נשלח לשנת מאסר. כתבתנו הדעה שטייף. שוטר הורשע בלקיחת שוחד, בניסיון למתן שוחד, זיוף ובקשירת קשר לביצוע פשע. כתב האישום שהוגש נגדו, בו הוא גם הודה, עולה כי בעת שעמד במחסום עליו היה אחראי, הגיע האדם אותו הוא מכיר. השוטר ביקש ממנו להשיג עבורו טופס תיאוריה עליו חותמת עבר, בתמורה לאלף שקלים. זאת מאחר והוא לא הצליח לעבור באופן רשמי את המבחן. 
איחוד לנהגים אולפן גלגלצ, כביש תל אביב ירושלים, עמוס מאוד ממחלף שער הגיא ועד מחלף חמד בגלל תאונת דרכים. התחזית, מחר ייתכנו גשמים קלים. ולסיום, נמצאים ארכיאולוגים נדירים, נחשפו היום בשכונת רמת החייל בתל אביב. כתבתנו יעל עמית. באר בת 1400 שנים נמצאה בחפירות רשות העתיקות ברחוב הברזל. נחשפו גם שרידי מבנים ושברי קנקנים. הממצאים מתוארכים לתקופות הביזנטית והאיסלאמית הקדומה, המאות השישית עד השמינית לספירה. אלה החדשות שעורך חדר שיפר.
Samuel Benjamin Cohen, being of sound mind and body, do hereby declare this to be my last will and testament. Number one, to my son, my beautiful boy Sheldon, <laughs> my firstborn, who made me proud of him all my life, a fine son, a good husband, a wonderful father, and the best dentist in the United States. <laughs> to my son Sheldon, I bequeath tax-free one million dollars. Wonderful. Isn't that magnificent? Good luck, Sheldon. <laughs> Number two, to my beautiful daughter Jane, with a Y. <laughs> To that lovely child who always got high marks and helped her mother with the dishes when we couldn't afford a maid, who got a scholarship to Hunter College, who for a long time has been a little too particular or she'd be married already. <laughs> to my lovely daughter Jane with a Y, tax-free $1 million. Oh. Such a generous man. Isn't that beautiful? Mazel tov. <laughs> Number three, to my beautiful wife Miriam, friend, companion, love of my life, to the lovely Miriam I give with pleasure everything that's not in her name already. <laughs> The white Chrysler Imperial with the white sidewalls and the Prince's telephone. The Picasso from the back of the store. My Arnold Palmer golf clubs with a new leather bag. And tax-free, two million dollars in cash. Enjoy, sweetheart, enjoy. Oh, what a marvelous husband. An angel, not a man, an angel. The Picasso from back of the store and everything. <laughs> Number four, to my brother-in-law, Louis, who lived with us all of his life, who never had to do a day's work, who knew how to handicap the ponies better than anybody, who only smoked the finest cigars, mine. <laughs> To my brother-in-law, Louis, who all his life said I would never remember him in my will. Hello, Louis. <laughs> Jam in the AM must be the month of Adar as the uh, comedy segments uh, prevail on this snowy Wednesday morning. Thanks for joining us on the 5th of February and the 5th of Adar 1. Lots of snow out there, difficult walking and driving conditions, so be careful, everybody. Lots of schools are closed. I saw a note on Facebook that Halb is closed, and I announced earlier that uh, a whole a bunch of schools in our Yeshiva League community are already closed on this Wednesday. Rain today as uh, this storm ends up uh, being um, a completely a rainstorm eventually. High temperature of 35 clouds and then clearing skies tonight, low 20. And the question is, will we get more snow this weekend? Looks like we will. The question is how much, and that seems to be a big debate. 50 right now in Yerushalayim, 31 degrees here on a Wednesday at JM in the AM. Plenty more coming up. We are going to check in, as we said earlier, with Rabbi Yanki Horowitz. He is uh, from Project Yes. He is um, 
outspoken about uh, parenting and certain parenting mistakes and certain mistakes that are being made in our community. We speak with him coming up 8 o'clock hour this morning. He was originally scheduled to be here. He's been called out of town, so he'll join us via telephone coming up here at JM in the AM. Here's Baruch Levine.
I'm Ari Goldwag. It's called Rock Who on a Wednesday. Rain today after all this snow is uh, eventually going to stop with a high temperature of 35. 50 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 31 with a wind chill of 20. Windy weather out there. About three inches of snow fell uh, before JM and AM started this morning. I was under the impression that it started snowing about 3 a.m., but the, uh, the folks here who preceded me at uh, WFMU told me that it was snowing from about 12.30 this morning. Uh, which explains the uh, much heavier accumulations than I thought we'd have early this morning. JM in the AM and a um, and a uh, reminder, Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz, Rabbi Yanki Horowitz, is going to join us uh, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. He has been quite outspoken about the child safety as it relates to the subject of abuse and uh, has plenty to tell us uh, regarding present and future projects that he is involved with. He was originally scheduled to be in studio, but was uh, called away, and therefore he'll be joining us live via telephone coming up at JM and the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in Mesecha Shabbos, whoever wants to see the Be'er, the well of Miriam, should go up to the top of Harakarmel, and he's going to see like a sieve in the sea, and that is the Be'er Miriam, the well of Miriam. What does this mean? Miriam's Be'er provided B'nai Yisrael with pure, refreshing water for 40 years while they were in the desert. Chazal tell us that the well of Miriam was both a spiritual source and a moral source of strength for B'nai Yisrael. It reminded them of the great Amuna, the belief that was demonstrated by Miriam during one of the most crucial times in history. B'nai Yisrael were enslaved. The oppression was unbearable. Paro had decreed that all the males should be killed. Whatever son is born, he should be thrown to the river. 
However, the daughters should be kept alive. Amram, Miriam's father, separated from his wife, and so too many others followed his example. Why have children if they're going to be killed? Miriam Hanavia said to her father, Your decree, your gezerah, is worse than Paro's. Paro's decree is only against the males. Yours is against the females as well. Paro is a Russia. He's evil, and we don't know whether his decree is going to take effect. However, you're a tzaddik, and your decree will certainly be effective. We learn that Amram returned to his wife. Klau Yisrael should have total, uncompromising reliance on Hashem, even at times when everything seems hopeless. Generations later, there was a danger of disintegration of Klau Yisrael. They worshipped the Baal. Elio Novi challenged Klau Yisrael. Elio approached all the people and said, How long are you going to dance between these two? If Hashem is the God, then go after Him. If it's the Baal, then go after it. The people did not answer him at all. He confronted the Nevi'e Sheker, the priests of the Baal. He gave them a test that required absolute faith in Hashem. On Hara Carmel, he won a great victory for Torah in B'nai Yisrael. It is the Be'er Miriam. It was the well of Miriam that inspired Elio Novi that he should erect the Mizbeach to Hashem on Hara Carmel. Ultimately, it brought about the downfall of Avadah in immorality. The trait of uncompromising reliance on Hashem, Emunah Shalema, has kept Bnei Yisrael alive and intact through everything in history. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Take a pick a Piccadilly And these days I'm wondering How you've been Got into inspiration Generated generation And suddenly I'm thinking About you Nick give me a nickel Jimmy he give me A dime from your dimension And he say Every time I sing this song Everybody sing along with me Cause every time I sing this song Everybody sing along with me Cause every time I sing the song, everybody sing along with me. So sing along, sing along, sing along, sing along with me. So sing along, sing along, sing along, sing along with me. On the bridge to forever, and what I discover. Little ships are sailing beneath it, spinning in the sand, castles made by man. Ain't you tired of that well of fortune? I'm numb to your numbers, I'm rid of your riddles. And when the bell rings, I'm deaf to your defeat. Cause every time I sing the song, everybody sing along with me. Cause every time I sing the song, everybody sing along with me. Cause every time I sing the song, everybody sing along with me. Sing along, sing along, sing along with me. So 
many years Your words still ringing in my ears When my phone rings, your voice I hear This old world can disappear These little things, they do not last Only your verses from the past So I will sing your song of choice That's how I hear your sweetest voice Cause every time I sing the song Everybody sing along with me Cause every time I sing the song Everybody sing along with me Sing along, sing along, sing along, sing along with me. So sing along, sing along, sing along, sing along with me. Coming Saturday night, 8th Day Visits New York City. They'll be at the West Side Institutional Synagogue with 8th Day, uh, Cantor Chaim Burson, Ellie Schwabel, Cantor Zevi Muller. It's all happening uh, at West Side Institutional Synagogue this coming Saturday night. WSISNY.org. WSISNY.org. I spoke to one of the uh, Eighth Day guys, uh, when was it? On Monday. They're excited about coming to New York. I begged them to bring some of the good weather from there, from L.A., see if they make good on that commitment. <laughs> I'm just watching through our cameras as uh, one of our amazing uh, JMAM WFMU staff members is out there shoveling. Boy, it's a rough one out there, heavy, wet snow, difficult to move around. Be careful if you're heading out to shovel or trying to clear a path or get the car out. One of those rough mornings. We had a lot of those recently, huh? JM and the AM at 25 minutes before 8 o'clock. Well, yesterday I reunited via telephone with an old friend. Rabbi Yoni Zakatinsky is with us live via telephone. He is the uh, Brooklyn coordinator for Project Inspire. And uh, we reunited because uh, I was made aware of an event that is going... You know, Project Inspire, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, not usually aimed toward the Brooklyn and specifically uh, not toward the Flatbush Jewish community. Uh, usually Project Inspire would be in places where the uh, where you would think that the uh, Orthodox population was not as uh, saturated, so to speak. But Project Inspire is doing something different this coming Shabbos, and you're all invited. Project Inspire and the Agudas Yisrael based Binyamin invite the community to a Flatbush Shabbos of inspiration. Inspire yourself to inspire others. There'll be special speakers. Uh, Shlomo Simcha is going to be davening for the Yomud. There'll be a Saturday night comes in with Benny Friedman and Shlomi Dax. Uh, Matzei Shabbos, a, a presentation brought by Eli Mansour. Project Inspire comes to Flatbush, and in this case, to inspire the Flatbush Jewish community. Rabbi Yoni Zakatinsky, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. How are you? What an interesting... What an interesting concept. At what point did people think that even the, you know, very well-established uh, from Orthodox community of Flatbush also need a Shabbos of inspiration? Well, let me just say that this was a uh, the brainchild of uh, one of the sponsors, which is uh, Alan Isaac Gross and family, 
and Rabbi uh, Moshe Tuvilif, who who took the um, took the rein on this project along with contacting Project Inspire, and and saying that and understanding that if we want to inspire ourselves, our families, our children, and literally the thousands upon thousands of unaffiliated Jews who are out there, we ourselves have to have an inspiration and a good feeling about our own personal Judaism and, and, and Yiddishkeit. Wow. And so we, we have put together a, a cadre of presenters, of, of lecturers, of, uh, of people who can give over inspiration, and hopefully the Shabbos will be an inspiration for the community. You know, you said to me on the phone, it was such a, such a good quote, uh, that if you want to, you got to believe in something before you sell it. And, and a lot of people, unfortunately, we know this, uh, uh, you know, not, not that we're, we're not believers. Thank God we are and we're full of faith. But sometimes things become a little bit habitual and, uh, uh sometimes we ourselves don't realize the big picture in terms of, uh, how we should be inspired by what we do and our ritual, our heritage, our tradition, etc. So before one goes out to inspire others, we have to make sure that we are at a proper level of inspiration. That's correct. And we see that today, that as we go along in life and we're so busy and we, you know, go from one week to the next and we have a Shabbos and then another Shabbos, another Shabbos, we turn around and say, am I feeling that, I'll say the word, right. that, that inspiration about my own personal Judaism. And so that's what we're trying to accomplish this coming Shabbos. You know, we have various different projects inspired, various different tools uh, that we provide to the community. One of the tools is our major convention that at this point, at the end of February, is totally sold out. So wow. we've decided instead of bringing people to the convention, let's bring the convention to the to the people. And we're, we're having outstanding speakers such as Rabbi uh, Moshe Tovilif, uh, Rabbi Dian uh, Yonason, uh, Rabbi Dian Yonason Abraham from London, England, is flying in to to speak to the to the to the program. Uh, Rabbi uh, and Rebetzin, Rabbi Naftali Yeager and Rebetzin Tehili Yeager from Yeshiva Sharyashu will be joining us along with uh, Rabbi Eli Mansour, as you said before. And we will be seeing also Rabbi Elliot Brittany will be joining us along with Rabbi Israel Reisman. So, um, you know, we have uh, a program that can be seen all over. Um, you can see it in posters. You can see it in the newspapers. The schedule is there. And we really invite the entire community to join us for the entire program and, and, and be part of it. The more you put into it, the more you're going to gain, gain from it and get out of it. Rabbi Yoni Zakatinsky with us live via telephone. Project Inspire actually comes to Flatbush this Shabbos with a Shabbos of inspiration. We'll go through some more of the details, and I do want to ask you about Project Inspire in general in a moment, but what's been the reaction? What has, you're, you're in Flatbush a good part of the day, right? What has been the reaction to bringing this to the Agudas Yisrael base Binyamin? You know, sometimes people ask me, so are you bringing in uh, non-religious people? And You would I, think, right? And I, and I said to them, no, you have to understand, this is not, this program is not necessarily that model. Many times Project Inspire brings in non-religious people or partners up with other different organizations to inspire people, such as we have a wonderful relationship with 
with the BJX, with the Brooklyn Jewish Experience, under the guidance of Rabbi Zwingerer. We have a wonderful relationship with the JWRP, the Jewish Women's Renaissance Program, which also inspires women to go to Israel. And we partner up with them because the idea behind Project Inspire is to inspire the Jewish community to reach out where they can reach out to a non-affiliated person. Right. And these wonderful organizations have the means to have the non-affiliated people. So let's say we bring in a, a group that's non-religious or a group from college, a college campus, let's say from Albany, from, from Philadelphia, and we bring them into the community. So many people said to me, well, you're bringing in that group to go and uh, be part of us, you know, for that Shabbos. I said, no, no, no. This Shabbos is totally internal. This Shabbos is about us. This Shabbos is about inspiring ourselves so that when we see someone who is not affiliated, we can wear different glasses and maybe reach out to them and make a difference so, in their lives. So back to my question. I mean, are, are people abuzz about this? I mean, are you getting the, the feeling that the average Flatbush person who's, uh, you know, well-founded in the, in the from community is into an event like this? You know, I think that, that the times have changed and that people understand what what the Jewish people are facing. And I think that the Flatbush community is a very vibrant community, a very um, uh, alive community in understanding that it's their responsibility that wherever they are, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be a relative of theirs, whether it be somebody on their block, whether it be somebody that they have a connection with. And today we don't really know who's close and who's far. Right that they can make a difference in their lives. Right. And it's not about making them, you know, instantaneously religious. It's just making a Kiddush Hashem with someone. It's about reaching out to somebody. It's about making a difference of inviting them for a Shabbos meal. Various different tools that Project Inspire has, and one of them is like we have a home key of training program that we go into a person's home and they invite their friends and that they themselves get trained in how to reach out what to say, what not to say, what questions might be asked, etc. And this is, you know, what Project Inspire, you know, the, the, the mission statement. Because it literally, Nachum, literally there's millions of Jews in America who are walking around not knowing that, that they're Jewish. Today, unfortunately, Goldberg is not Jewish, and O'Connor is Jewish. Right. And if you understand what I just said, yeah. then you'll understand what we're facing in North America. No question. And it's, it's a responsibility of the religious community to try and make a difference where they can. The key professionals are overwhelmed. There's not, there's not enough of them. There's not enough manpower. There's not enough resources for them to do everything. And this was the brainchild, I have to say, of an individual named Ravel Weinberg Zatzal, who was the founder uh, and, and the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva Eishat Torah. And Eishat Torah was, as they say, Plan B, because initially he really wanted to, to build something for the Jewish community called Project Inspire, that the Jewish community, the Frum community, goes out and reaches out. They weren't ready for it many years ago. So what happened is they started about Shuvi Yeshiva, which is that they should have the passion for it. But we see and we hear the wonderful stories today of so many individuals within the community and all the communities that are reaching out and making a difference in people's lives. And remember one thing, that when you make a difference in somebody else's life, you make a difference in your life. And it makes a difference in your family's life, your children's life, and your Shabbos table. is not the same Shabbos table 
when it's empty as opposed to when you go and you invite somebody in and make a difference in their lives. Project Inspire in the Agudas Yisrael Base Binyamin has a Flatbush Shabbos of inspiration. Rabbi Yoni Zakatinsky invites everybody to participate. Inspire yourself to inspire others. Right? Moshe Tovyalif, Diane Yonason Abraham, Rabbi Naftali Yeager, Rebetzin Yeager, Rabbi Eli Mansour, Rabbi Elia Brudny, Rabbi Yisrael Reisman, Rabbi Zakatinsky himself, and many others will all be part of this Flatbush Shabbos of inspiration. It will include, uh, it will include, uh, um, Shlomo Simcha davening for the Umid with a beautiful Oneg Shabbos and Shalashudis, uh, Matzei Shabbos, Rabbi Eli Mansour, plus a Kumzitz concert with Benny Friedman and Shlomi Dax. And, uh, information. Rabbi Zakatinsky, what do people do to get information about the event and to be there this coming Shabbos? Uh, you can see it in the local periodicals, which will be in the Flatbush Jewish Journal which has a full spread of, of the program. You can also call, um, you can also call the, um, um, the following people. First of all, I want to just say that it will be in Hamodia. Also, you'll see the, 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 the full spread of the program. It will also be posted in the Aguda, uh, on, on their, uh, on their walls with the schedule. And also throughout the Flappish community, you'll be seeing posters and signs. Uh, I will say that Two people that need to be called, if anybody has any questions about the specific program, two wonderful people that are the chairman for the program, that's Moshe Nussbaum, and his number is 917-757-2499, or Robbie Hofstadter, which his number is 917-446-0669. I do want to mention those two individuals because the Mutsi Shabbos program which we do have a limited amount of space, and we are running an outstanding program at the Shabbos, which you don't want to miss. People really should call and order their tickets in advance because we want to make sure that everybody who wants to come has the opportunity to come. And that's so going those, to be happening in the shul as well, right? That's happening in the shul. So, you know, there might be people who say, I want to come, I want to come, and we just, because of the, the, the constraints of the building, you know, there are limited amounts of seats. So for those people who are listening, I would definitely tell you that we know how many seats we sold already. We've sold, we've sold a tremendous amount already. And if you want to not be blocked out of the Saturday, the Mutsi Shabbos program, please call those two individuals, which again, uh, which is Moshe Nussbaum at 917-757-2499 and Robbie Hofstadter, which is 917-446-0669. And also, if you have any questions about the program, the times, etc., they have the full schedule and they can answer those questions for you. Rabbi Yoni Zakatinsky, Brooklyn coordinator for Project Inspire. Good luck. It looks like it'll be an amazing Shabbos. Nachum, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, really, uh, it was great speaking to you. And Hashem should continue to bless you with your wonderful work that you do for Klai Yisrael of inspiring everyone because you are the inspiration. I your, your radio show is from so many years, as you spoke yesterday, in, in, I've heard so, such wonderful stories about people that their connection with Yiddishkeit is through Nachum Siegel and, uh, and your program. I greatly appreciate that. Rabbi Zakatinsky, he invites everyone to be part of it in Flatbush's coming Shabbos. Looks like a very interesting program. By the way, it's on our website, folks. If you go to the site, either jmnam.org or my website, you can uh, click on Community Calendar. You'll see it there. Under the Shabbos programming and the entire full poster is available. You can check it out. All the phone numbers and information that we gave out are there as well. 11 minutes before 8 o'clock. It's Wednesday at JM and the AM. Rabbi Yanki Horowitz is going to join us coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. 
plenty more on a Wednesday at JM in the AM.
Yes, Legacy, Gershon Varoba. 8 o'clock in the morning, Rabbi Yanki Horowitz is scheduled to join us any minute. That's coming up. Plenty more on a uh, on a Wednesday. Don't forget, tomorrow, Shalsheles with the official debut of Shalsheles Connections. It happens tomorrow right here at JM in the AM. You heard Up to Jerusalem from Gershon Varoba. Before that, Yaakov Shweki with Ach Sameach. And the Pure Soul had um, Est Semach to open up that set. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org.
Weil wir die Heilige Teure, ja, oh, 
Yeah. 
J.M. and the A.M. Strange things happen sometimes, I'll tell you. to new beginnings. That's except Saturday here at J.M. and the A.M. Uh, Avram Free with Torah is Abestas Chreda from Amachaya. And Mizumin Heshi Rubin and company with T-Pole opening up that set here at J.M. and the A.M. I, I must have spoken with Rabbi uh, Yaakov Horowitz, Rabbi Yanki Horowitz, at least three, four times earlier this morning. Uh, from this studio, and on the same, and and with him having the same phone, I believe that he had when I spoke to him earlier, and we had plenty of conversations, etc., etc., etc. And now we have been trying to reach each other for the last twenty minutes, and um, when he calls here, I cannot hear a thing on his end, and when I call there, he cannot hear a thing on my end. So I just emailed him that uh, it seems that the somebody, um, somebody or some higher uh, spirit, does not want him on the uh, on the radio this morning. That's the way it seems. We'll continue to try to get a hold of him and uh, get him on, but this is really strange. We're, we're trying every other phone number in the world, and it's working. But for some reason, the connection with his is not uh, going through. Very strange. Very strange. Anyway, uh, hopefully he will join us today. If not, then at a future time here at JM in the AM. 31 degrees, rain with a high temperature of 35. Snow on the ground, very heavy. That snow, so be careful if you're trying to clear it away, to clear a path, or to get your car out of a uh, situation, whatever the case may be. Be extra careful out there. It's a JM in the AM Wednesday, and this is eighth day. Hula, 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 hula,
at the West Side Institutional Synagogue this Saturday night. That's eighth day coming in from L.A. to this beautiful weather here in the New York area. J.M. and the A.M. on a Wednesday reminder coming up at 9 o'clock on jmtheam.org, a replay of last week's or last night's 9 at 9. Yes, he's why I had a great edition of the 9 at 9 last night that will be happening uh, at 9 o'clock this morning here at J.M. and the A.M. And don't forget, he has an amazing Z-Report scheduled for today. Lots of great Adar music, a brand-new a cappella selection from A.K.A. Pella, entitled What Does Haman Say?, and a whole bunch of great Adar music and Purim music coming up in celebration of this first month of Adar. That's between 11 and 1 today on our stream at jmnam.org. And album of the week at 10 a.m. is MBD and Friends. Talk about going back to a classic, MBD and Friends. So plenty of great music and a whole bunch of stuff going on even after Jam and the AM this morning. Well, I was just uh, writing a note to uh, Rabbi Horowitz 
and giving him my theory that someone or something didn't want him on the air this morning because we were having such trouble connecting uh, with his uh, cellular phone. And finally, we did connect. RabbiHorowitz.com is where you can get information about what Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz uh, does and uh, has been doing for the community. He is founder and dean of Yeshiva Darche Noam of Muncie, founder and director of Project Yes, Youth Enrichment Services, recognized throughout the Jewish community as an authority on raising children in these troubled times. And I will note, Rabbi Horowitz has uh, become well-known in our community not only for the aforementioned reasons, uh, but for being in some cases the only, and in other cases among other friends of abuse victims out there in our community who... um, uh, not always get the uh, uh, the most sympathy from members of our community, a topic we have discussed to a degree on this program before. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's a pleasure. <clears throat> it's a pleasure, Nachum. Uh, nice to be on. Sorry it took uh, <laughs> We had a little uh, challenges. Well, as I explained to you, obviously uh, God wanted you to address specific people who are now tuned in, so I guess we can now get started. By the way, you know, there were some theories going around in this building to begin with when you had to uh, cancel your actual appearance here because you were called out of town and you had to do this via telephone. Um, Some people became suspicious that maybe it's a bad idea to let people know where you are. And I may say that a a drop tongue-in-cheek, but in reality, and I think this is important for our listeners to know, uh, I mean, your, your life has certainly been put somewhat at risk for some of the people you've outwardly supported in our community, isn't that correct? Uh, it's 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 way it's uh, it, it, it's certainly not accurate now, and and uh, it was really nothing only for a, a very short period of time during the Weatherman trial. Um, I, I I certainly have not felt uh, under siege in any way. There was a time we we were we were getting. Uh, some some significant pushback and some really nasty calls emails but uh you know let me tell you something the vast overwhelming majority of of our community members overall and including or even especially members of uh, the Hasidic community are very very pleased that people are speaking up for for, for our children it's only a small vocal minority <clears throat> and they need to be uh either ignored or dealt with appropriately if people are making threats i think they should be, be reported to police just the same as when people are, are harming our children so the small vocal minority is somewhat very vocal then because if you'd ask casual observers of the news um we would get the impression that a significant percentage of the of the communities you just mentioned uh are are, are unsympathetic let's put it that way to those who come out with claims of abuse well Look, let me tell you something. I've been doing this. I've been writing about the abuse issue for over 10 years. And uh, from the beginning, I've never changed my position on this. I've always advocated that predators should be reported to the authorities, to the police, because it's really the only way that that we can keep our kids safe. And um, the truth of the matter is it is very hard to believe that someone you know and, and trust and see uh, is a predator. You know, it was, they, were, they were the same reaction with any of the high-profile uh, situations in our community. It was the same with Jerry Sandusky and Penn State. It's the same in, in, in the Army or in the Catholic Church. It, it's, it's just so, it's so hard to get your hands around the fact that, that 
someone you know can do such heinous crimes, especially in, in, in an Orthodox community. I was interviewed by a, a, a secular media reporter recently and asked, um, you know, why is it that, that in the Orthodox community, in some segments of the Orthodox community, there's a reticence to go to the police. So, and, and I'd like, I encourage you to, you and, you know, your, your listeners to think about this. You know, I, I mentioned that I do not know any specific studies that were done, but I imagine if you went to a small town in Iowa or in West Virginia that has, uh, 300 families and everybody meets everybody in the, in the, uh, in the local county store, I, I'm pretty certain that there are lower reporting rates there also. Right. Because you have to meet these people. You have to meet their brothers and their sisters and their family members and their friends. And it gets very uncomfortable. If we all knew that the people we cut off in traffic we would meet in the 7-Eleven, we would drive a lot more <laughs> in a much more polite manner. <laughs> Everybody, Yaakov Horowitz is with us via telephone. And on top of that, uh, the people, the, those who are behaving in a questionable manner in our community, are very much like us, and it's hard for to, it's hard for us to imagine that we, you know, or people very much like us, could do something like that. Right, and, and that's why I've been such a strong supporter of child safety education. Um, we started writing our child safety book uh, almost five years ago. It took us; it was a real labor of love. It took us over two years. Uh, we published it together with Art Scroll. It's called Let's Stay Safe. And, uh, Baruch Hashem, we sold, uh, over 25,000 copies of the, of the print version. And, um, it, it's, me- it's, that, it's meant I'm to sorry? be, it's meant to be read to a kid. It's meant for a kid to read, meant for parents to read. It, Who's it meant for? It, it's meant, it's meant for parents to sit on the couch. Ideally, for parents to sit on the couch, read to their children. It's a nice, fun, the pa- book, the pages turn easily. Uh, the illustrations are very vivid and beautiful. Uh, most of the book is about general safety, you know, crossing the street, uh, talking, not talking to strangers, putting on a helmet, fire safety rules. Uh, but, you know, the center of the book was about the, the child safety matters, about abuse prevention, that many people are uncomfortable uh, having these discussions with their children. And what we did is we gave them a, a fun, enjoyable, uh, light way to have these conversations that are so important. I assume there's information about that book and other books on your website. It's on my website. You can go to, uh, yes, it's at kosherjewishparenting.com or abiharowitz.com. The book is available in, in all Judaica stores that carry Art Scrolls uh, line, which is basically all, <clears throat> all Judaica stores. We also have three free videos on our website. Um, if you just Google my name, uh, Yaakov Horowitz Child Safety, it'll come up. We made uh, three videos to explain the uh, oral Torah, so to speak, the Torah Shabbat, you know, the, the, the theory behind the practice, why child safety works, how you can train uh, small children to defend themselves against much larger adults. It's a hard thing for people to imagine that this is possible. Uh, but, but once you understand what predators are afraid of, um, then it becomes very evident why education is so effective. Right. Predators are afraid of children who were spoken to, and it's very easy to tell which children were spoken to and understand uh, the, the sacred right for them to protect their own personal space. Um, your yeshiva and the work you do uh, with abuse victims are, are unrelated, correct? 
Yeah, yes, that is correct. I, I, I other, in, job, in other words, yeah, in other words, a lot of fun. Right. You know, in other words, but, you're not you're not yeah, running you're yeah, not you're not running yeah, yeshiva. Wonderful. I'm sorry. Now, my the, just to emphasize the point, I was going to say you're not running a yeshiva for people who are in difficult circumstances like this. One no, is no, 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 no. It's a regular mainstream boys' elementary school um, from pre-K through through eighth grade. Uh, we started uh, 17 years ago. Baruch Hashem, we have you know a little bit short of 250 Talmudim. Um, I'm biased, of course. We have a wonderful yeshiva, very child-centered, very friendly. Um, and with the help of Hashem, we're starting to publish some of the very innovative curricular materials that we have been producing in our yeshiva over the past uh, 17 years. I'm a very, very big believer that Children, especially at the beginning level of Chumash and the beginning level of Gemara, should be spending a lot of time going over, being taught the root words, the Shorashim, the prefix, the suffix. Um, a fellow in Barilan did a study long before the Internet that uh, 270 uh, root words, make the Shorashim, make up uh, 93% of all the words in Chumash. Wow. And there are only like 10, 12 prefix and suffixes. So basically, if you teach children how to how to understand uh, how the Hebrew language works and how the Lego pieces of the prefix and suffix and root words uh, uh, fit together, they basically can learn on their own. We published two books. You can go on my website or bbchumish, uh, as in bright beginnings, bbchumish.com. Uh, there's some explanatory videos and some sheets. And we're now in the process of pulling together a Gemara program that we have as well, a pre-Gemara program. I, designed to give children the background before they start learning tomorrow. I apologize for asking this question this way, but I'm sure many of our listeners are curious. Uh, are secular subjects taken seriously in your yeshiva? They, they most certainly are. Uh, they absolutely are. In fact, we're doing some, some, you know, wonderful projects in the area of curriculum and writing and, and oh, absolutely. The parents want the children to have a great education and I do as well. Uh, it's very important to me that, that the children are well prepared for for life. Uh, I got news for you, especially in today's environment with, with the Internet and all. Uh, if you want to disseminate your Torah thoughts, you need to be able to speak and, and write uh, properly. I, I wrote a piece, if you're interested, I wrote a, a piece on my website called Et Ket Haram, which, which in Hungarian means one, two, three. I wrote it in Mishpacha magazine about seven years ago. And it's called Et Ket Haram. And I wrote that many people um, are, are opposed to teaching ch- children the English language and how to communicate with people in the general population because, out of sheltering children. And I point out that Hungarian Jews spoke Hungarian better than the Hungarians. <laughs> Et Ketarum is one, two, three in Hungarian. It's amazing to me that the great-grandchildren of people who spoke fluent Hungarian are reluctant to speak English. And the Hungarians, they really did not love us, uh, if I must say so. We weren't really welcome in their country. So uh, people spoke Hungarian and felt really positive. We listened to them talk about their country. They took the Altaheim, what a wonderful place it was. I got news for you, we're treated a lot better in this great country. I think we should to teach civic pride and to teach children to be able to function properly is, is so important. In fact, you know, research and studies show how language acquisition is so easy in younger years and so challenging as the kids get older. You're really robbing them of the opportunity to be able to communicate. 
Wow. Oh, boy. Some of the things you're saying are so important. Uh, by the way, does that last past eighth grade, would you like to see them take secular subjects seriously even beyond their early teenage years? You know, um, I've had the, I was in eighth grade every for 15 years before I started the yeshiva. I've been in Kanahara for 33 years. And, um, you know, the Philadelphia yeshiva, Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky Shlita, uh, and Rabel Yisrael, the Chitzat Kavacha, they, 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 you know, Yibad Lachayim Tarzim, um, they certainly, uh, <laughs> had Hashkafas as far as the importance of learning and the importance of Lumudei Kaidish. They always had a fantastic English department. Many of the kids who applied to Philadelphia Yeshiva couldn't get in because they couldn't pass the English exam. I'm talking about post eighth grade though. You're talking about post eighth grade. I'm talking about high school. Right. I'm talking about high school. Right. Rabbi Shrey Zechutzavikavach and Rabbi Kamenetsky ran the Philadelphia, the famous Philadelphia yeshiva. They they were known to have a fantastic English department. Rabbi Elia and Oshmuel constantly said, if we're, do, we're spending time on this, the children should should not waste their talk. They should take it seriously and work hard at it. In fact, I Rabbi Shimshi Sherer. Um, told me that he personally heard from Rabbi that Rabbi told him that he was terribly opposed to, to schools not taking general studies seriously. He said that we're teaching, when, when they're not taken seriously, we're teaching the children not to place a value on their time. Right. And he said you cannot unteach that later on in life. Right. Yeah, if you're going to do it, then then either do it or don't do it. Either, either do it right or don't you, do it at you know, all. Right. You, you know what I find so astounding? What I find so astounding is that, uh, you know, pa- many parents feel that, that having a, a, a less robust English department will somehow shelter their children. Uh, you know, in today's environment, um, when a kid is, you pick a number, 12, 15, 18, 20, whatever that number is, Sooner or later, they're exposed to the to the to the world at large, and at that moment, they are vulnerable to the most depraved, horrible uh, content on the internet instantly. Right. So you really haven't protected them. How long does it take a kid who's been sheltered till 18 to go on the worst sites in the world? Right. Ten seconds. Right. So what you've really sheltered them from is all the positive parts of general culture. Right. <laughs> You, you, you haven't sheltered them at all. You and, sheltered them while they're younger. And essentially, but, you, you've robbed them of of the tools to navigate. A friend of mine always uses this example. It's like you know, handing someone a pair of scissors. You teach them, you know, how to use it for good and and when not to use it because God forbid, you know, it can cause tremendous damage. Same thing here. You're robbing them of the training in terms of navigating, you know, going toward the good stuff and avoiding the bad stuff. Yeah, and and, and I mean. Look, you know, there, there are people typically, and I wrote that, I wrote this in the Et Ketanum piece, um, that, that people often turn to, um, you know, uh, Hasidish or very yeshivish entrepreneurs or, or immigrants uh, who are, who are not, you know, not even from our community, people who grew up without a general studies education. And, you know, they land on their feet, they pick it up, and they're doing great. And the truth of the matter is, I would say probably, I don't know numbers, but you know, 20, 30, 40% of the population, you'll pick it up very quickly and are entrepreneurial in nature and do make an awful lot of money. You know, they, they might be employing, uh, uh, from uh, accountants and lawyers who went to school a lot more than they did. Right. 
So, and then they say, hi, you see, wow, look at them. This guy's so wealthy, and he's, he's making a lot more money than his accountant is who went to school and to college. But it, it's, it's really, it's true. There are some people who do it, but most can't. And most, it is a great hindrance. I wrote in the piece that it's like a kid dribbling, it's like an inner-city kid dribbling a basketball and, and, and planning to go into the NBA. Right, exactly. You know, some do, some do, most don't. Look, a friend of mine dropped out in ninth grade and became a massive success. He would never encourage someone not to go to college. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz with his live via telephone. By the way, you mentioned earlier about the uh, you know the, the day job and night job, so to speak. The impression is that you're essentially on twenty four seven call for all these, uh, and unfortunately, there are too many abuse victims in our community. The impression is, at least from my vantage point, that you're just always on the run everywhere to to help people that are, you know, that are that are basically, you know, coming out with their story about, uh, you know, what's been happening to them for the, for the last few months or years. So, I, I, I mean, truth be told, Nachum, and, and for your listeners, the, the um, I, I advocate, I, I don't, Unfortunately, I do not have the time to really respond to people who reach out to me personally. Um, we have some people on staff, and we try to do the best we can. It, it's, it's not possible for me to to be able to personally help people who reach out to us. I, I, I have tried to concentrate the time and the energy and the kochos that I have uh, outside of my yeshiva life to uh, creating materials that everyone can use, to creating these videos and the, uh, you know, the books, the videos. I'm very, very excited to be sending a Yiddish version of our safety book to the printer. Uh, we'll be sending it very soon. Did that have to go through a, a much different editing process than the other ones? Well, it's interesting you ask. Well, it's it's the it's the imagery, the Yiddish words, of course. I mean, the words were we had a team of people working on it. The images are are very important educationally and you know clinically. It's very important that the images be culturally congruent with our lives. So, in other words, if we're giving a message to um, to let's say a non-Yiddish speaking child, you want the kids there to look like them, and most importantly, the pictures that show people that Chassidim might want to harm them. Uh, we, we purposely made it look like the children's uncle. Uh. That's what it's supposed to look like. You know, the the the, the high-profile predators right. are are often educators or clergy people. You right. know, people who. Um, uh, you know, commit them the most heinous and much egregious uh, uh, violation of the trust that the community places in them. But the vast majority of predators are are, are not uh, teachers and are not the rabbinic people. They're not even strangers. They're people the children know. They're kids on the block. Right. They're uncles, a friend of a brother who's over for the weekend. So we, we the, the the message that the children should be getting is that that it's somebody that looks like your family. So we were very careful in the in the Yiddish version to, uh, you know, we, we try to make it a typical uh, Williamsburg or, you know, uh, Borough Park Street, you know, brownstones instead of private houses. You, you, you have to see it. We really try to get the culture just right. 
Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is with us. RabbiHorowitz.com has all the information about what we're speaking about. The um, And I'll get to the reason why I contacted you recently in a minute, because I want to talk about, and I mentioned in our promotion of this conversation that we'd be talking about some of the mistakes that we make as parents uh, out there. But t- just d- can you describe what it feels like when you're in a courtroom and you know that so many people that you have a lot in common with, I mean, I am sure at, at, at the trial that you mentioned, there were a lot of people in that room that you have a lot in common with in terms of background, in terms of the nusach that you daven, in terms of, you know, a lot of connections in the, in the community. And obviously, the majority of those people are looking at you with tremendous anger. Is that, is it difficult for you to adjust to that situation or by now you're used to it? Well, the, the truth of the matter is that in, you know, particularly in the Weberman trial, uh, the, the overwhelming majority of the people in the courtroom were there to support the victim. Uh, 20 to 1, they were there supporting the victim. So, um, look, I, I, I understand, you know, it, it, I, look, I, I mean, we mentioned earlier <clears throat> about, you know, understanding the reluctance of people to get their hands around this possibility. Right. That, 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 Someone like you and I that we see in shul or that we we, we know in our community or or anyway anyone in the general population you know the same wonderment you always see when they when they catch a predator the first thing they interview the neighbors you know and whether it's you know African American or Oriental or Italian anyone you know they, they, they the 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 verse the script is basically the same they take a microphone they go to the neighbors and they said oh my God I can't believe it. This was such a nice man and such a nice woman. How could they, how could this possibly be? You see, just a total disbelief. But but um, but you know. But again, the, the 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 fact of the matter is that we need to we need to stand behind our children. We need to protect them. This is our responsibility. It's our sacred responsibility to stand with our children and protect them. And um, it, it is very hard. To, 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 you know, even family, to, to even, even family members. We, I advocated for a, a specific case in Muncie. Uh, a fellow named Turner was, was arrested, uh, for, for violating his parole. He was given probation the first time and he, he was, he, I don't want to go into the details on the air. It was some really horrible. He was accused and pled guilty to some horrible, you can do a Google search, some horrible, horrible crimes. And um, I advocated for for people to write to write emails and letters to the judge that he be given jail time, and he was. Um, you know, a relative of his called me up, and and spoke to me very politely and very nicely. The only time that I ever got pushed back was with Leverman, with the Weatherman trial, with the, the the personal hatred and the attacks were just out, totally out of control. But you know, this guy called me up. I promise you, my heart went out to him. And, and I had another high-profile, very high-profile case that I've been writing about seven, eight years ago. Another relative called me up, and I, I'll never forget it. You know, the, the the woman, she told me, she said, listen, whatever, Harlots, I, I understand why you're doing what you're doing, and I respect you for it. Just remember, every time you sit down to write an article, just remember that this person has relatives who didn't do anything, and we're all dying a, a hundred deaths. And I promise you, I... I it, I cried when I hung up the phone. I, I felt bad for her. She didn't do anything. Her children didn't do anything. Her grandchildren didn't do anything. Now, that doesn't mean I stopped writing about it. But um, it's very sad. There's no winners here. There's no winners. Nobody yeah. wins here. Oh, giving us a lot but of food. Had... Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry? Go ahead. You were saying? 
No, I'm saying there's no. It's very sad. Yeah. It's really very sad. But it's a lot sadder when children's lives are ruined. And and the the only way that this is going to stop is when we educate our children. Number one, I believe it's it's the only way to stop this is to educate every single child. And when every child understands the norms of child safety and and how it works and that you're entitled to your own space and somebody touching you in an inappropriate space is is totally is like bizarre almost uh it's going to stop that's the only way to do it to educate our children and to get the predators off the street you know all communities all communities have predators every community the question is what happens afterwards so, you know, the communities where the predators are taken out and, and jailed or arrested and in the criminal justice system, and the, ch- the, ch- the victims get professional treatment by trained therapists who specialize in child abuse, hopefully things start slowing down and it stops. And then maybe one more person will get ar- uh, molested a couple of years later. But in communities where predators are protected and the victims are terrorized and the, ch- the victims... The survivors are not getting professional help, so it, the cycle just continues. Untreated victims are far more likely to abuse others. It just doesn't stop. So the only way to stop this is to educate our kids and get the predators off the streets. It's just that simple. If I may, Nachum, um, you know, an analogy that I always give parents during training is just imagine if you were... Imagine if you were sitting with your family at a Shabbos table and I was a guest. Just imagine if I went and I, and I, I leaned across uh, the table and took food off your plate with my hands. Or if I just took off my shoes and put my bare feet on the table. How old would a child have to be to know that, that norms of human interaction were were crossed. Right. How old would a kid have to be? I'm sorry? A, a three or four year old would know that it's inappropriate behavior. For sure. A three or four year old would, would, would giggle. Right. They would laugh. They would, you know, elbow their sister and start chuckling or stare. Right. An observer would notice. If, again, if I came to your Shabbos table, Nochum, by the way, you like to invite me? <laughs> <laughs> so if I came to your Shabbos table, and did something really bizarre. So everybody would notice. More importantly, an out anybody looking at your grandchildren would would see that they recognized something as strange. Right. So that means that their parents taught them that this is you know this is not appropriate. Right. So when when predators touch children in private spots, and they've been spoken to, they give that look. What are you doing? You can see it in their face. And that's what the predators are terrified of. That's why education works. See, it's not about being strong. It's not about being stronger than the predator or fighting back. It's about it's being aware. About Pre- I'm sorry? It's about being aware, being alert to it. It's about being... Once the predator sees that, they go on to other people's kids. They don't, mm-hmm. won't touch a child that knows this. And when parents think they're shielding their children by not giving them this type of training... They're really making them so much more vulnerable. They're putting them absolutely in sakana. Nobody's mugging the black belt on a subway. Simple as that. <laughs> I'm sorry? Nobody's mugging the black belt on a subway. 
they're going to go to a much uh, more vulnerable victim. All right, we only have a few minutes left, and again, we've proven. And uh, every time that uh, every time we get to this point that you and I reconnect, uh, we we always uh, say that we could spend an hour or two live in studio. Hopefully, one day we will. But one of the reasons that I did reconnect with you a couple of weeks ago is because I've really been spending some time on the subject of those who've left the fold. Uh, kids that uh, you know have gone what we call off the derech have uh, left our tradition, uh, do not uh, observe ritual the way they uh, used to, so to speak. And I was curious, uh, in your opinion, to what degree is this about abuse? That you know, when when someone feels that, uh, when someone you know psychologically suffers the way some kids have, they go ahead in this direction and how much of it is uh or would you say as well there's plenty of it that has nothing to do with abuse where kids are sheltered and lead a or their parents lead a very sheltered life and they feel they just have to break out um it's an excellent question and what you haven't said or or what basically are talking about is what are the risk factors right um you know what are the risk factors um so I, I guess I would I would separate out um, <coughs> kids that that abandon observance in in a a passive way in in, in a non-threatening way in in a non-self-destructive way, meaning their you know observance level slackens off or or they leave observance completely, but they basically lead productive lives. What what people in general society would consider to be productive lives, well-educated and, and, you know, going on with their careers and are, 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 are well-groomed and well-taken care of and happy people. Um, <clears throat> and then you have people who leave observance in, in a very harsh way where they're self-destructive and they're taking, you know, abusing substances or cutting or, or God forbid, suicide attempts or, or worse. Um, you know, I, I think of it like they have ADD and ADHD, so ADD is attention deficit disorder. Uh, without the H is, is a passive ADD, so to speak, that the child, is, they call it the sleepy kind. People, kids just sit, or adults, you know, sit around and their minds wander. And with the H, it, you see much more hyperactivity. The H stands for ADHD, you know, ADD with the hyperactivity component. Right. So there's, I don't like the term off the derech. I, I say no longer observant, but... Since it's being used, you know, I could, there's OT without the H and with the H. So the ones that are with the H, the ones with the hyperactivity, the ones who are, who are are really self-destructing, I found an extraordinary percentage of them were molested. An extraordinary. I've written. I mean, I wrote it in, in your know, in your experience before it was cool to write about. In your experience, uh, over fifty percent. I'm sorry. In your experience, over fifty percent of those way came. more. Way wow. More. Way more. Wow. I, 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 again, go go back. I'm a, numbers don't lie. Everything's on my website. <laughs> Excuse me. I've I've uh, the people. Uh, you know, go to somebody Sadikim like Avi Fisher, who runs a you know home sweet home, which is basically a shelter for for you know for kids who've been kicked out of their homes. Go to Madregos or by Silver and in in another amazing organization. I've been volunteering for them, which is Shannon and Kipper to Davin with. Recovering drug addicts and, you know, from, from, uh, originally from, from homes. Um, they'll tell you, uh, whatever number they'll tell you, you know, 75, 80, 90 percent of the kids were molested. Um, I've been saying this all along, and if you study Maslow's hierarchy of needs, 
and and uh, you know any of listeners I, I don't have the time to go into it now, but I would encourage you to look it up and Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you understand how he builds one level on top of another. People, kids who are missing their security, they just can't build anymore. They can't build on their lives. So those are those are what you know uh, an extraordinary percentage of them were molested. Uh, but then there's, a, there's an entire different category of kids who are, um, you know, who, who abandon observance. Uh, many of them are extremely creative. Many of them, you see a lot of the bloggers or a lot of the people in, in, uh, uh, who, who were formerly observant um, are, you know, very talented, very creative, and, and uh, some of them, you know, are, are pursuing their lives in a, in a meaningful way. And uh, they just find uh, religion restricting, and or sometimes they the religion that they've been introduced to is right. very restrictive. Um, I always uh, I always tell people, you know, who've abandoned religion, I, I'd like to introduce them to my God. <laughs> I always say that, you know, come, I'll introduce you to my God. He's not the guy who likes to just. People, you know, right. not a dragon. Understood. But that's, that's, that's for another time. <laughs> right. Uh, we're actually hitting the end of the show. We've got to arrange for a part two so we can continue this discussion. We didn't even get to the mistakes or potential mistakes that you've observed that might lead to some of these things and the mistakes that people might make once, uh, in fact, a family member has taken the direction that we described. So, Horowitz, I hope we're going to have an opportunity very soon to continue this, and hopefully in person. I hope you'll be able to, when you get back to the New York area. Nachum, would really be my pleasure. Just a parting word. Do I have 60 seconds? You do. Go ahead. Um, You know, what you mentioned about parents, you know, what parents should or shouldn't be doing, what we have found to be really um, the most helpful thing for parents to do is to be tolerant and flexible, to listen more than talk, uh, find out what's on the children's minds. A lot of times the, the, what we see is defiance, is insecurity. What we see is disrespect, is pain. Um, I said something very bold on my website on, on a teleconference uh, right before Rosh Hashanah that I can usually, honestly, Nachum, Within five to ten minutes of meeting a family for the first time, a family with a kid that's having trouble, I can usually see if this kid's going to make it. Wow. And the ones whose parents are, are open to learning and go, open to going for help themselves and, and trying to figure things out and giving their children a message, we're always here for you. No matter what happens, we will always love you. Um, those kids, you know, the parents will have a, a run for their money, but the kids usually make it. They certainly usually lead productive lives, and when parents push back and, and fight and argue and get rigid and, and more strict, uh, it, it usually, it, it's usually not pretty. Uh, RabbiHorowitz.com has so much information. Rabbi Horowitz, I look forward to your visit to our radio station in the near future. And by the way, I have to mention to you that uh, at the height of the publicity about the trial that we were referring to earlier, uh, the management of this radio station, uh, who are not necessarily from our community, uh, went out of their way to me to point out how much they admire your work, and I wanted to mention that this morning because you have a lot oh, of support. Very nice, thank you, you. You have a lot of support out there, not just among the groups that you mentioned. Thank you so much for joining I us. You. We have a lot of support in our community, much, much more than you believe. And, and I believe me, that's one of the great revelations for me this morning. I greatly appreciate you enlightening us on that. Achenu Israel and our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFM. MUE Star Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. 
And that wraps up a fascinating discussion with Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz. Tomorrow here at JM in the AM, the official debut of Shalshelis Connections. Plenty on the stream all day long, including Album of the Week, which is the classic MBD and Friends, which is coming up at 10 o'clock. And then Yessi Zweig with a Z-Report live lunch coming up at 11 o'clock on our stream at jmtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Stay dry, stay warm. Till tomorrow, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.